Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the, what the hell is it, the fourth day of April, 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. Later on, well, it's early mornings, midnight now, but, or I guess whenever you listen to it. If you listen to this in the afternoon, by the time you hear this, Donald Trump will have been arraigned, allegedly, and maybe the charges will be dismissed. We'll get to that and more. But don't forget about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Check out the book contest this week. It's Brad Thor versus Mike Huckabee in an oily wrestling match. Good. Sorry if you're eating breakfast for that image. Or uh, the Week in Evan Review is there as well. There's pictures of the kids. All kinds of goodies up there at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Please support the program. I much, much appreciate it. All right, let's get started. There is a lot going on while we sit around and we wait and wait and wait to find out about the indictment against Donald Trump. That's, I mean, no matter what it is, it's going to be garbage. That's the thing that you've got to sort of take, keep in mind with this thing. But you also have to remember the truth that nobody really knows what it is. It could be uh, saying, oh, it's 30-some-odd counts, up to maybe 34 counts. Or it doesn't matter how many different slices of turd you make. (laughs) You can – it's still a turd, right? It doesn't matter how many different ways you slice it and dice it. It doesn't seem – unless there's something dramatic, something new that we did not know, it does not seem as though – this is going to be the thing that gets Donald Trump. Now, there's two schools of thought. Because you can't really be interested in justice if you're interested in going for this. You just can't. Stormy Daniels and the hush money, as they all say, it's hush money, it's hush money, it's hush money. Hush money, by the way, in and of itself is not a crime. Paying somebody hush money is not a crime. A non-disclosure agreement is not a crime. There's a fairly decent chance you've been, you're in a non-disclosure agreement right now with somebody, a former employer. If you ever got a, if you ever got a severance package, the company laid people off or just fired you or whatever, you have likely signed a non-disclosure agreement with them. If you signed a non-disclosure agreement with them without getting some 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 cabbage for it, you should probably read the documents that you're signing and go, wait a second, I'm signing away my rights for the low, low price of nothing. But if you uh, you know if you're aware of it, sometimes they offer a decent amount of money. I mean, if you're famous and your employer is really, really famous and they really are concerned about. You know, secrets, trades, whatever it is coming out, they'll offer you a boatload of money. It's part of the golden parachute for certain executives. That having been said, you could even get a couple of grand and say, all right, just don't say anything. Does that mean you can never you know, tell your friends drunk in the bar, whatever? What they really don't want you to do is talk to the press. But those being violated rarely end up 
in legal matters, even those those in general never end up in legal matters. This is an accounting crime. There's nothing illegal about the actual transaction itself. You pay a porn star to keep her mouth shut. It's unusual for her. It's a third of her business plan, so don't really count on that happening. But it is not illegal. You could pay anybody you want. You could walk up to some your longest friend, your oldest friend. You could walk up to him and say, I'll give you $100,000. You never mention my name again. You could do It would be weird. You could do that. Then if he does, they do. Then you sue him, and it's a whole big mess. Weird. Wonder why you did it. But you could do that. There's nothing illegal about it. What is alleged to have happened is the accounting that took place. And there's some other woman, some some playboy model, whatever. Uh, who cares? Who ca- I don't know if Donald Trump had sex with either of these women. I don't care if Donald Trump had sex with either of these women. I have never had a vote for Pope. My ballot has never gone up in a plume of white or black smoke. It has not. Well, maybe because Democrats in this state have probably burned it at some point. But other than that, it has not happened. And I don't give a damn. But they're looking for anything to get them. And it's sad because this is a testament to just how pathetic the Democrats are, that they could go this route. They have serious other cases. Now, they're garbage, too. But at least the charges, the potential charges that they're alleging they could bring are more serious. The mishandling of classified material is the more serious charge by far. By far, the federal government, if they wanted to bring it, they they haven't. And they really can't because if they do that, then they have to go after Joe Biden. They have to go after Mike Pence. They have to go after Hillary Clinton. They have to go after just about everybody that you've heard of who has had top secret clearance. All these people with documents laying around or things in their secret servers Let's not forget Hillary Clinton's emails not only ended were on her secret server, but they ended up on Huma Ahmadine's laptop that were was in the possession of Anthony Weiner back when Huma and Anthony were married. And if you want to talk about somebody who'd open themselves up to blackmail, the Anthony Weiner's right there with a crotch shot for you. So that was a massive mishandling of classified material. The government didn't know that Huma Abedin's computer was riddled with classified material. The government claims to have not known, and by the government I mean the President of the United States at the time, Barack Obama, claimed to have not known that Hillary Clinton was using a secret server. So all of it was hidden. Donald Trump and what he had down at Mar-a-Lago was allegedly classified, although for some weird reason we can't find out what even the subject matter was, and Congress has not been briefed on it because Democrats care about transparency or something, which leads me to believe it was next to nothing. It was presidential schedules. It was things with classified markings that weren't no longer classified, like the president's daily schedule is classified, the real, the detailed schedule, not the one that they post on their website. It is classified. And 
till the end of the day, until the next day. Then it's like, well, right, well, there's no more real reason to keep this classified. They don't tell you that because it doesn't matter. The menu at the White House is classified until it's digesting, and then it's not classified, that it's public knowledge, that sort of stuff. So it could be. We don't know what was found at Joe Biden's various mansions, but there's reason to believe, very serious reason to believe, that it had something to do with nations that are not only currently in the news because of their war with Russia, but were nations that the Biden family was receiving millions upon millions of dollars in payments from. That seems a little bit curious, something worth looking into. So if you bring the charges against Donald Trump for having, you know, classified folders and presidential daily schedules, mishandling them, how do you not charge the sitting president of the United States from profiting off of these sorts of the information, the the intelligence briefings that he was profiting off. I'm not saying that he did profit off of them, but I'm implying the hell out of it because probably did, but we don't know. You can't. Down in Georgia, the case against Trump is garbage. It's, you know, he's saying we need to find 11,000 votes, not make 11,000 votes, not cheat, not do whatever you have to do and scam the system and get run the voting machines again. No. He was saying, these votes exist, find them. Or these votes are fraudulent, prove that they're fraudulent. Nothing illegal there. Democrats are desperate to try and make it illegal, but they're not. For that to be illegal, they'd have to go back and prosecute everybody in 2016. Russia hacked voting machines. Russia changed the vote. Russia elected Donald Trump, etc., etc., breathlessly, one more ridiculous than the other, going, oh my God, can you believe this sort of thing? What's going on? What's happening? They don't want to do that. I mean, these people are so pathetic. They, in, uh, they appointed a troll like Jamie Raskin to be the point man on attacking Donald Trump for election denial when Jamie Raskin's first duty, first job, first action as a member of the House of Representatives was to deny the 2016 election and try to block its certification. They have no concern about anything. They know they control the means of communication in this country so they don't have to they, normal people would sit down and say we look raskin is an idiot he'll you know it, he'll say anything he'll do anything in that sense he's like a suicide bomber he's, he's an idiot he'll go along to get along yes let's do this thing he'll ignore his family he'll ignore his friends he'd uh, destroy them if they thought that it would help further his cause he doesn't care. He is single-minded. He is like a uh, a brain-damaged Terminator. Nothing will get in his way. Eric Swalwell, sort of the same thing, except he's just brain-damaged. 
But there are these people who will go out and do or say anything, no matter how asinine it makes them look, no matter how contradictory things they've said in the past are or their actions in the past have done. It doesn't matter. They'll go out there and do it and say it. We'll plow forward. They're useful. They're useful to the Democrats. The Democrats need some suicide bombers out there. Jamie Raskin is one of them. But it is not particularly helpful when people point out the hypocrisy. So when Jamie Raskin goes out there, looking like he just stepped out of a shower, attacking Donald Trump for being horrible, uh, just a cursory look at Jamie Raskin as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a member of Congress, as a just a, a human being, causes you to recoil in horror. It's gross. What are you doing? This is your priority? I mean, I guess if you represent one of the wealthiest counties in the country, in Montgomery County, what Jamie Raskin does, I, I guess you don't really have, you have all the time in the world to just go and mess with other people. The standards are so low. There aren't very many people in Potomac and Chevy Chase and Bethesda who are sitting there going, boy, I really need government's help. And there's enough people in the rich areas that you can look at the German towns and the Rockvilles and go, eh, we can ignore those poor people. And they do. They do. But does that make things criminal? Does that mean things, if you're going to prosecute election criticism or election denial, as the left likes to say it, shouldn't then you go after these people? No, no, they won't. They're on their team. Instead, they went with this uh, pay to porn star to keep her mouth shut thing. Not a crime. The accounting issues if they in fact do exist, have had statute of limitations that have run their course. It's over. It's over. The statute of limitations is long since gone. You cannot go after these crimes legally. But Alvin Bragg decided rather than, you know, charge actual physical criminals, he's going to go after Donald Trump. Because why? Because he has aspirations in the city, in the state of New York. It's not going to mean national aspirations. But as far as in New York itself, New York State, this could be what catapults him to the governor's mansion, the uh, attorney general of the state. It's, it, the possibilities are endless within the state. And the repercussion, look, when he loses, and he'll lose, and it'll be humiliating, when he loses, it won't matter. The point of this is not to put Donald Trump in prison. The point of this is to get the mugshot of Donald Trump. And the point of this is to, as you're already seeing, this is historic. It's the first time a former president has been indicted, etc., etc. It gives one more bucket of mud for the left to throw at Donald Trump. Now, the real question is, Why do you think Democrats are doing this? They know they're not going to win on this. Even if they get a jury in New York to convict, it'll be thrown out. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the judge at the arraignment said, this this case is some weak sauce. The attorneys make a motion, file a motion, and there's immediately a dismissal of these charges with prejudice. I wouldn't be surprised. That's New York, so that's the only reason it might not happen.
but it be uh, bizarre if they let this go on, if they let this continue for very long. The legal system itself, not these left-wing lunatics, they would literally string up and uh, draw and quarter Donald Trump if they could. But it is disappointing. It is damaging to the fabric of the United States. And meanwhile, bra- by the way, brag. You got to love this headline from the uh, New York Post from yesterday. Bragg won't charge wounded New York City garage worker who shot suspected thief. You go, what? Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg will not prosecute the parking garage attendant who shot a suspected thief after getting wounded himself, the DA's office told the Post on Sunday. Musa, I think, Daria, 57, was shot twice by alleged thief Charles Rohde, 59, early Saturday before turning the tables on the suspect and pumping bullets into him. Defense, self-defense. And you think, well, why is this news? How is this news? Because remember the bodega owner who stabbed a guy who was robbing him at gunpoint? Killed the guy because he was trying to, he was beating the hell out of him? Alan Bragg was going to charge that guy with murder for self-defense until the public got a look at the video. And then the outcry became what it became because they don't care about individuals who defend themselves, not allowed to defend themselves. And then you look at the broader scheme of things. This from Byron York this morning. He's quoting... uh, some research done by Matt Iglesias writes, something I did not, uh, something I think most normie Democrats realize is that, uh, is at some point in the past 10 years, the criminal justice reform wing of the progressive coalition decided that arresting people for carrying guns illegally is bad. The prison policy institutes mass incarceration part in the, the prison policy institutes mass incarceration pie chart. Weapons charges are listed as non-violent public order crimes. That's right. Weapons, carrying a weapon illegally, an illegal gun. Remember, all the Democrats are against guns. They don't want you to own one legally. But if you're caught carrying one illegally, the charges are downgraded, downgraded to nothing. They're non-violent public order crimes, and they are not prosecuted at a staggering seven what is it 67 percent of the time and tell me how these democrats are concerned about law and order and why it's very important we go forward with the prosecution of donald trump in the interest of law and order anybody believe that crap shifting away from uh, the trump news to other by the way i was looking it up yeah, Donald. Yeah, they they investigated the hell out of Republicans. These Democrats, they tried to ruin them. They drove Sarah Palin out of office with lawsuits. Republicans really should return the favor here in Maryland. There's got they're not going to do anything legislatively, but sue the hell out of. Uh, at, the, the difference is, in Alaska, there were a bunch of ethics rules changes. 
that made it possible for private citizens to file, I think it was private citizens could file ethics complaints, whatever it was, the the governor was opened to complaints that they had, legal complaints they had to reply to by groups or citizens or whatever it was, and they were able to do it. Most states aren't that stupid. You know, they give their executive immunity while they're in office from their act. You don't like the, what the governor's doing, whatever, tough, uh, vote them out of office, that sort of thing. But there has to be all sorts of ways to go after these Democrats. You've got to return the favor. The dose of their own medicine is the only thing they're going to understand, the only thing they're going to be absolutely disgusted by. They're going to hate it. They're like, wait, this is unfair. Well, tough, because you're you're bad people. But uh, as far as presidential candidates going, remember, he wasn't quite, I don't think he was quite the uh, candidate yet. But Rick Perry was indicted in criminal charges. Remember that? Wikipedia, on August 15th, 2014, Texas Governor Rick Perry was indicted by a Travis County grand jury, but has since been cleared on all charges. The first charge in the indictment was abuse of official capacity, a first-degree felony for threatening to veto a $7.5 million funding for the Public Integrity Unit, a state public corruption prosecutor's department. The second charge, which has since been ruled unconstitutional, was coercion of a public servant, a third-degree felony, for seeking the resignation of Travis County District Attorney Rosemary Lemberg, a Democrat, after she was convicted of drunk driving and incarcerated. This is the kind of stuff that Democrats did and do to Republicans. If Republicans aren't willing to do it back to them, then what's the point, honestly? Those are clearly garbage. It was in the official, it was in the course of his official duties as governor. So why are they charging? This is why most states have immunity for these sorts of things. Otherwise, you'd just be nonstop arrests and whatever. Remember, there's a, a mugshot of Rick Perry out there. But if this is what Democrats are going to do to Republicans, then Republicans have no choice but to return the favor. They have no choice but to return the favor, period, end of story. And if they're not going to do it, then what's the damn point, honestly? You might as well just give up. You might as well just give up. So as we look at this controversy, it's not completely without precedent, direct precedent, of course, because it never happened to a president of the United States. But chief executives of states have been ruined. And it's sad because it will mean that only wealthy people can go and run for office. Or you're going to have to have, you know, lawyer up. Uh, Public service, I'm going to lawyer up. But let's be honest about what these people do and what these people deserve. Would... Shouldn't Adam Schiff be sued for every... I mean, he is a big cheerleader and ringleader for this garbage. Should he not face a bit of his own? Nancy Pelosi. It's pretty abundantly clear that she and her family have made a fortune from insider trading. Either that 
or Paul Pelosi when not absolutely hammered and driving like a damn lunatic getting pulled over and popped for DUI um, is making the most perfectly timed stock trades in all of history. Also, do you know anybody, anybody who's been involved in an IPO, an initial public offering? Probably not. Yet the Pelosi's managed to get involved in initial public offerings with some regularity. Pelosi's also managed to get uh, stock options. Do you get stock options? The Pelosi's made several million dollars off of stock options from Visa. Visa was doing something. Visa. They didn't invent Visa. They didn't create Visa. This was in the last few years. It was not as though they'd been there and they were in it's Visa needed some, some early capital and Paul Pelosi was there to give it to them. Visa has been well established. Visa has been around for a very long time. How did they get these options? I don't know. But could a normal human being do it? No. Could a non-speaker of the house or their spouse get it? Probably not. Whatever the case is, we need, like Nancy Pelosi said the other day, we need to afford her a chance at trial to prove that she is innocent. It would be wrong otherwise. And yeah, it makes a mockery of our government. But what does sitting there and taking punch after punch after punch do if you're Republicans? What does sitting there and being kicked in the rear end or around the front time after time after time. And you go, no, 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 we're not going to engage in this. We are better than they are. I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it again because it's true. All the high road gives you in politics is a really nice view of your defeat. Period. End of story. If you want to win, you'd better play by the damn rules that your opponents have set, hold them to the same damn standards, and then, only then, might you be able to pull back and get the recoil that you need. Used to be a time, not that long ago, where the decent people would look at what was going on with the fringe and go, we're not doing that. We're Stop with that stuff. Don't go there. Don't do these things. This is outrageous. We've lost that. The Democrats have smothered that baby with a pillow. They have smothered that baby with a pillow, and now they go full bore on that fringe, with that fringe. That is the party now. You see them throw a hissy fit whenever anybody gets you know, accused of anything on the left. They don't like it. When somebody gets an ethics complaint filed against them, they don't like it. When somebody gets confronted, they don't like it. Somebody, oh my goodness, did you see they said something mean to AOC in the hallway? I don't care. I don't care. If she's going to cheer Ted Cruz and his wife being chased out of a restaurant or somebody traveling to the other side of the country to murder a Supreme Court justice she doesn't like and she's going to remain silent about it. Do I care that somebody makes a comment about her big butt and films it and posts it online? No, I don't. Would I want to be friends with somebody who goes around talking about women's butts? No, I wouldn't. But I'll laugh at it. I might even retweet it or post it on social media. These are the rules they've started. These are the rules they make us 
live by. They've got to take a big, giant dose of their own medicine. If they don't like it, tough. It's their own damn fault. They're the ones who made it a big, metal, spiky, sharp, razored-edged suppository. So bend over, my friends, and take it because this is coming your way, and it should come your way. You deserve it. You're the manufacturer. It's like the suicide. You you hear these stories every once in a while, usually out of the uh, West Bank or the Gaza Strip, but sometimes out of Afghanistan where the suicide bomber putting the belt together and blows himself up before he's able to get down to the market or the schoolyard or wherever it was that his handlers had told him to go. And you just go, you know what? Or the bomb maker who blows up in the terrorist organization. You go, you know, that's that's good. It's going to make recruiting a little tough. It's going to make terrorism a little difficult for a little while. And that's a good thing. Maybe you do that to enough of them and fewer and fewer people will want to go into that. And if only by attrition, reality wins. I want to shift gears to just general political progressive insanity. They're evil. They're corrupt. They're worldwide. Remember the name Jacinda Adhern or whatever the hell her last name was. She was the prime minister of um, New Zealand. She was famous for being able to eat a sandwich through a fence without any problems whatsoever she she had this really bad buck teeth she looked a little bit like a donkey but she was a woman she was a woman prime minister and she was heralded especially during COVID, as one of the champions oh my goodness she's the best the left loved her why because she locked down everything she locked down the whole country she didn't want anybody in or anybody out she was absolute power she also, after a shooting over there where a monster went into I think it was a church and killed a bunch of people, live-streamed it on Facebook, rather than dealing with the monster, she did exactly what sexually arouses Democrats across this country. She confiscated guns, the concept, confiscated guns. Now, she was a hero of the left, and she's one of those people who, like, much like I'd imagine a, a physically abusive husband, they're punching you and punching you and punching you, but they're explaining to you why it is in your own best interest that they do this. They're doing it for you. They're, doing it for, they're not doing it for them. They're not doing it because of any of their insecurities. They're doing it for you. You you will come out of this better, et cetera, et cetera. That's how Jacinda governed over there in New Zealand. Well, she was up for re-election, <clears throat> and it became abundantly clear that she was not going to get anywhere near re-election because she had become so wildly unpopular. See, there's the sizzle, and then there's the steak. If you hear the sizzle, we go, ooh, sizzle, sounds like a steak. Hear the sm- they take a whiff of the smell, ooh, it smells like a steak. And then they bring out a giant plate full of turds. You go, wait a second, what happened to the, uh, I heard the sizzle, smelled the steak, what is this? Well, this is the reality of it. We've got a obviously we're cooking the turd so there's the sizzle we uh we have a the steak smell in an aerosol form to spray out through the vents to cover up the fact that you know pan frying a turd not a pleasant aroma so we cover that up and now here you go so you've you've got two out of three ain't bad right as meatloaf said two out of three ain't bad so you just close your eyes remember the sizzle 
remember the smell and you'll be good. Well, the people of New Zealand said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to choke down this turd again. And she resigned. So now the current short-term prime minister of the New Zealand Labour Party is a guy named Chris Hipkins. Good old Chris Hipkins. If you want to see how the left is insane around the globe, here comes Chris Hipkins. Howdy Doody's illegitimate child was asked a very simple, basic question. It tells you it tells you a lot about a politician. The more basic the question they can't or won't answer tells you a lot about it. Look, complex. How are you going to deal with, with China and Russia coming? That's going to take a little bit of uh, explanation. And maybe they're not going to get it right outside, out of the box. it take a minute to get their sea legs going. But what is a woman is something that every, you know, even gay men would know what a woman is. They don't, they're not attracted to them, but they know what it is. They have mothers, right? They've seen mothers their whole lives up to this moment. You know, but he goes, what is, uh, what is water? And they're stumped by it. I, I, I just don't know. I, I've never thought about it before. I suppose anybody could identify, anything could identify as water. That uh, the thing over there that you call a tree might identify as water. And therefore, if it does, we don't know, but we should probably not assume that it identifies as a tree. I mean, that, that thing over there, that living entity, we, uh, it could well be water if it so identifies. So nothing means nothing. Chris Hipkins was asked on behalf of the Labour Party, what is a woman? And it's a tortured exchange in that he is torturing himself rather than just coming out and saying it. And facing the wrath of 0.001% of the population, he's instead acting as though he's unfamiliar with the concept. I don't know his personal life. Maybe he is unfamiliar with the concept. It kind of looks like at least his high school years were spent being unfamiliar with the concept. Uh, but, well, listen to this first part of the exchange. Sean. Um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, given comments by Keir Starmer in Britain, how do you and how does this government define a woman? Um, I, to be honest, Sean, that's, that, that question's come slightly out of left field for, for me. Um, the, well, biology, sex, gender... Um, People define themselves. People define their own genders. <laughs> well, I won't, I'm not prepared for that question, eh? I've only lived my whole life sitting here going, uh, what's a woman? What's a woman? I don't know. Knowing what... You never asked yourself that question because you never had to ask yourself that question. You knew what the answer was because you're not currently in a persistent vegetative state. But because... The left is so terrified by the terrorist element in the alphabet mafia. The T stands for terrorist. You get politicians who would rather look like yammering, stammering, complete and total effing morons than simply say a female human being. There, there you go. A female human being. That's, that's a woman. Now, you can even say, hey, uh, I didn't say that you had to be born that way. You didn't have to be born female, but a female human being. There you go. There's your answer. Well, I, crikey, I don't know. Uh, not prepared for this question. He was really not prepared 
for a basic question. It goes on. By the way, there was a protest. Um, there was, it wasn't even a protest. It was a group uh, led by a woman called Posey Parker over there, who's known over there, not over here. It was on uh, Women's History Month to celebrate women. And uh, Posey Parker has been critical of men who pull their junk back really far, put on women's clothing and makeup and say, no, I'm a woman. That's a, all that is, involves being a woman is putting some makeup on, some fake eyelashes and some clothing. And, you know, that's a bit more to being a woman than that. No, nope, that's it. If you do that, you're an, you're absolutely a woman. That's a lot like if you just put on blackface, if, if Ralph Northam, the former governor of Virginia, or if... Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada goes, you know what, I was black for a while. Oh, no, you weren't. Yeah, I was. I, I put on blackface, and I was, uh, I, I literally was black. I know what it's like to be black. No, you don't. It's different. That's essentially the argument they're saying when they say, I'm a, I really, I'm genuinely a woman. But no one dared call it out. With that stuff in mind, Chris Hipkins continues. Starmer has said that he believes 99.9% of women do not have penises. And I know it's a strange thing for him to say, but given recent events in New Zealand, I'd ask again, how do you define what a woman is? Well, as I've, I think as I've just indicated, I wasn't expecting that question, so it's not something that I've um, you know, formulated, pre-formulated an answer on. But um, in terms of gender identity, I think people define their gender identity for themselves. I just love it. Look, I, somebody else can answer. Everybody answers that question for themselves. Okay, so then there's nothing. There's just bipeds walking around. Unless somebody's an amputee, then they're a uniped, I guess. And you just get to make it up as you go. All of human history has had it wrong. All of human history has had it wrong because some people with daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever have decided they don't want to play nice with others and they're out there barking orders at other people going, you'll use it. My, my pronouns are uh, left foot and uh, Venus de Milo. And you'll refer to me as that. And men are beating holy hell out of women in women's sports. And you're going, huh, that's, that's what a woman is, right? I really want everybody in the NBA when they retire to identify as a woman or non-binary and then enter the WNBA and just make the WNBA the senior version of the NBA. Why not? It'll be much better and way more interesting and and, uh, more profitable than what's currently out there. You can do the same thing with soccer. Oh, well, what about the women's soccer? That's unfair. They've won the World Cup. Yeah, they also got their ass handed to them by a, a... a high school team from boys, uh, boys. The women's, the U.S. women's soccer team is pulled together by the best women across the country, the whole country. And one, one's high school in Texas kicked the crap out of them. They didn't, they didn't pull people from across the country or even across Texas. It was just one high school and they beat the hell out of them. So you can't tell me that uh, Alexi Lawless couldn't couldn't give Megan Rapinoe a run for her money. 
even though he's been retired for 10 years and sits on his butt and comments on television. So go down that route. Why not? What the hell? Everybody gets to choose for themselves and nobody's allowed to say anything. Maybe Donald Trump should declare himself to be non-binary and claim that this is a persecution of him because of that fact. Now, the left, he's not non-binary. You can't. You cannot declare somebody to not be something they've declared themselves to be. These are their rules. They've started these rules. They enforce these rules. They don't know how to live by them. They don't have to. It's time to start having some fun with these mutants, with these weirdos. Down under, they're still going. Self-identification. Yes. What about, in, if you like, an official or a wider societal sense? Again, um, I think we, we have rules in place now. If someone wants to change their gender on their birth certificate, for example, there's a process that they go through in order to do that. Um, I haven't got all of the, I haven't got the process chapter and verse in front of me, but it's it's available. Anybody can look it up and see what that process is. Nobody's asking about the legal process in New Zealand and how you can pretend legally to be what you are not, you jackass. You can see how ill-prepared he is for the concept. But I promise you, he has judged and continues to judge others. I don't appreciate the way that Posey Parker and her views on the transition. Why not? What's the point? You don't even know what the hell a woman is. And this is where he, he says that he uh, disagrees with, with Posey Parker, who thinks that a woman is a woman. And a man is a man, and you simply can't put on a dress and go, oh, now the opposite of reality is true. He has no problem condemning other people, but he can't tell you squat about it. It's my follow-up. You described that you thought some of Posey Parker's views were abhorrent. Could you tell us which ones? Um, I think some of the the views being conveyed um, around trans, the transgender community, some of the sentiment... Her views. Yes, some of the sentiment that she's expressed towards the transgender community is abhorrent, in, in my view. Well, that they shouldn't exist. <laughs> Outrage. Some of the sentiments. She's, some of the sentiments. Some of the sen- When somebody says the sentiments, that means that it is uh, their own interpretation of it. Because then... If it, if it was something that the person said, then you would simply say, I disagree with what she said. I disagree with what she said. Not That's not what you're getting. I disagree with the sentiments she's conveying. The sentiments. So that's in the ear of the beholder, not in the speaker. You have their plain language. Men are men. Women are women. That is being bastardized by the alphabet mafia to say, if you do not support us, you're committing genocide against my people. Oh, my people. Your people? So just one day somebody, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. I'm a member of the transgender community. Today I'm not. Yeah, no. That's not how the left has defined community as far as I know, right? Is it? I mean, they, they bastardized the word for a long time, but... I didn't realize it was that malleable that it's essentially water now, did you? I didn't. 
It's insane. Believable, corrupt, which makes it more believable, but insane to sit there and go, I, I don't care for the sentiments that she's conveyed. Well, what sentiments? Uh, that trans people shouldn't exist. Hmm. So what do you mean? What did she say? Uh, don't like the sentiments. Don't like the sentiments. That's the level of discussion these people are capable of. That's the level of discussion these people engage in. They're not serious, but they're a serious threat, and they seriously need to be destroyed, honestly. Since we're talking about the trans issue and the cross-dressing and everything, I saw this this morning and I thought, wait a second, I was assured, but I'm old enough to remember a couple of months ago when Democrats were insisting this stuff never happened. There's a lot of things like that. Democrats insist isn't happening. How dare you? What are you decrying this for? This isn't even happening. Well, then you wouldn't have a problem with somebody ban if, if nobody's doing this, then you don't have a problem with banning it, would you? Well, uh, that's different. Remember, they did this with critical race theory. That, what, nobody's teaching critical race theory in schools. Nobody, critical race theory's not in schools. Well, how dare you even bother? What are you putting this legislation for? And then they pass the legislation and they go, well, they're banning critical race theory from schools because they're so racist and so, like, wait a second. I thought it wasn't in schools. What does it matter if we ban? I personally, in my home, I forbid unicorns. I, it is a strict policy. I forbid unicorns. My kids love unicorns. Both girls love unicorns, but I will not get them a pet unicorn no matter what, under any circumstances. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. And I won't, e I won't even entertain the idea of it. And uh, you go, well, what's the big deal? Unicorns don't exist. Like, yeah, well, unicorns don't exist, but still. You'd say you can go ahead and ban all you want. You can ban, ban unicorns from my house, too. Unicorns don't exist. Well, if critical race theory is not being taught in schools, what does it matter if I forbid critical race theory from being taught in schools? It's not happening. Critical race, remember, critical race theory is an obscure legal theory that is really only taught in law schools. Okay, great. Then K through 12 education doesn't have anything to worry about, but just for fun, if only for symbolic purposes, let us go through and ban critical race theory from K through 12 schools. And the left went nuts. You can't do this. You don't want the teaching of, of slavery. You don't want the teaching of this, that. No, that's not what we said at all. You're going to ban books about Rosa Parks. No, we're not going to ban books about Rosa Parks. That's what you're doing. Well, wait a second. I thought that critical race theory wasn't caught in schools. Well, we we're also told that as states were talking about banning transgender surgery, the hot dog slice and dice uh, surgery for children under the age of 18, what did they say? What's never? It, nobody, no, no surgeon would dare. Do a double mastectomy in a 13-year-old. Nobody would do it. It's not happening. You're making a boogeyman that is out there that is not happening and stop doing it. You're just wrong and you're mean. My God, you're mean and blah, 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 blah. And you go, well, if it's not happening, what does it matter? What does it matter? Imagine if when they were passing state laws saying nobody under 18 get a tattoo. 
is the people are going, nobody's getting tattoos. What are you doing? Stop it. Nobody's getting tattoos. You would then have a whole bunch of kids with tattoos. <laughs> and if you rolled out with a whole bunch of kids with tattoos, you go, look at these kids. They tattooed their face because they're stupid. They got Power Rangers on their face. They got PJ Masks on their face. And now they're going to live with that forever. We need to stop these kids because kids are stupid and they make bad decisions. And uh, they should not be, they should be insulated from making decisions that are going to alter the rest of their lives. They got neck tattoos of their Taylor Swift across their neck. We got to stop kids from getting that. It's the same thing. It's actually worse. You can get a tattoo removed. It does not look very good, but it is least you can see that there's less of a tattoo there. Once you get certain pieces of your body removed, you're not getting them put back on. They could maybe reform it, like if you're making a clay pot and you go, oh, this is terrible, and you just kind of mash it up and try again. You can add water to the clay to make it malleable again, but you can't add water to the human body, the parts that you've sliced and diced and reformed to go, well, let's put it back together. All the king's horses and all the king's men are not going to make Humpty Dumpty have a penis again. That's just not how it works. But we were assured by Democrats that this is not happening to children. Nobody's doing this to children. Nobody's talking about doing this to children. And you talking about people talking about doing it to children and claiming it to doing it to children is somehow damaging to trans children. They never really explained how talking about not allowing the butchering of children's bodies was damaging to trans children because you're not allowed to. They expect you to go, oh, wait damaging to trans children. I don't want to damage trans children. Just like the psychologists who insist that transism is real now. Suddenly, you know, 10 years ago, they were like gender dysphoria. We can treat that. Now they're like, no, trans is real. And you can either start your kid on hormones. You can either have a, uh, a, a live daughter or a dead son. It's your choice. Those are your two choices. Those aren't your two choices. But that's what they tell you wildly unethical and i hope these people are sued out of existence you want to talk about maybe suing democrats how about suing these professionals who are out there telling now a lot of people are suing these professionals who have convinced them that they were the opposite gender and now they've you know passed the point of no return permanent damage done and they're suing the doctors who butchered them and the psychologists who shoved them in that direction but we need to do all of it shouldn't wait until it is past the point of no return sue because somebody was pushing you in that direction and you went down that path and you believed in that garbage and it has permanently damaged your psyche it doesn't have to be your physical being but anyway back to the point at hand we were assured nobody is butchering the bodies of children these laws that republicans are pushing are irrelevant they're ridiculous they're absurd and then republicans said okay well then we're going to go ahead and and ban the unicorn and then what happened? The same people said, you're harming children. These laws are harming. These are damaging to trans children. How? They don't have to explain. They can't explain. And we'd show videos of surgeons talking about how they've performed mastectomies on 13-year-old girls. And they go, uh, that, no, that, that's not real. Stop talking about it. And the media ignored it. And instead, the story went from how doctors were performing permanent surgical alterations on the bodies of 13-year-old girls to Republicans are highlighting, are claiming that these hospitals are performing these surgeries and then these hospitals are getting threats. 
all these threats coming towards these hospitals. Well, well, allegedly, allegedly there were all these threats. None of them were followed through on. Not a one of them were followed through on. Meanwhile, the trans guy did go in, and, or trans girl did go in and kill six people in Nashville. We can have, that story's gone, by the way. Did you notice that? Story's gone. No manifesto yet. Manifesto's still probably a couple weeks away. But the story is gone. Meanwhile, this story from April 2nd, foxnews.com, Boston Children's Hospital got into trouble because they had a whole they had a whole trans video section on their YouTube page about how, oh, here's how you're a trans kid, here's how you surgically butcher the kids. And they took it all down because they were allegedly getting threats over videos that they swore didn't exist. Now, Boston Children's Hospital co-director at its Center for Gender Surgery called for a drastic increase in capacity for what he called gender-affirming care, including surgeries for kids as GOP states enact bans on the practice. See, Republicans are acting to protect children. Democrats are acting to protect their donor class. Yeah, let that sink in. Oren Gaynor is a plastic surgeon and reconstructive surgeon who specializes in gender-affirming surgeries. Fox is even going down that road. He has previously stated in an email that the hospital is slightly flexible when it comes to the age of transgender girls seeking surgeries. According to a local outlet, the policy has not been finalized, he said, quote, because of the issue around consent for sterilization. Isn't that nice? The Children's Hospital clarified to Fox News Digital that it does not provide genital surgeries on kids. A patient needs to live in their new gender for 12 months before the genital surgeries are considered. Well, that's not saying you won't do it on kids. That's just saying you got to play dress up for a year. In a March 14th article he co-wrote with a medical school student, Sashin Rees, R-E-Z-E-I. Yeah, who wouldn't take a medical student seriously when it comes to something like this? In the Journal of the American Medical Association, because why? Because the entirety of the left-wing industrial complex has metastasized throughout society. And the Journal of the American Medical Association is now fully co-opted by the T terrorists in the LGBTQ community. Everybody lives in fear of the alphabet mafia. He said that capacity for gender surgeries for kids needs to be increased. We need more. Quote, physicians who provide gender-affirming care will face greater burden due to the constraints in certain states. Work to criminalize gender-affirming care for adolescents, the article stated. Quote, especially as certain states work to criminalize gender-affirming care for adolescents, there will be an increased influx of patients traveling to seek care in states with more open legislation. End quote. The pilgrimage to Massachusetts, to Boston Children's Hospital. One of the few times in life when you go into a hospital to have the harm done to you. Yes, lots of people get infections while in hospitals, but it's not very often that you specifically and expressly go into the hospital for the express purpose of having the harm done to you. 
It called the piece, called for more clinics to open up with targeted knowledge on the gender-affirming model. The out, they outlined several steps, quote, to improve capacity for this patient population since there will be an increased flux of patients traveling to seek care in states with more open legislation. The authors recommended medical school residency programs expose future physicians to gender-affirming care by increasing their training efforts for gender-affirming surgeries. It'll be a growth industry if all you care about is churning out the bucks. This is the way to go if you're in medical school. You have to live with yourself. I don't know how you do that. And you likely will have to literally pay a giant percentage of everything you take in in malpractice insurance. And uh, will face the wrath of parents and then eventually the kids you butchered. But hey, you'll have a good run till then. Quote, plastic surgery residencies currently do not have a recommended number of gender-affirming surgery cases that plastic surgery trainees see during the training, the authors wrote. The number of Republican-led Senates, uh, Republican-led states have passed legislation to ban gender-affirming surgeries for kids, which they defend in an amicus brief in June 2021, stating that gender-affirming care was, quote, experimental. Quote, we are filing this brief because we are concerned about the surgeries in recent years of children suffering from gender dysphoria and other forms of gender-related psychological distress, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall said in a statement. We are concerned because these vulnerable children are suffering greatly and need help. Yes, but they don't get that anymore. In contrast, proponents of gender-affirming care believe it is life-saving treatment for children with a disproportionately high rate of suicide. No, there's no evidence that it's disproportionately high rate of suicide. They also have not bothered to note the suicides after that. See, the trans community, oh, they're suffering from a high rate of suicide, so we must embrace their delusion. Even people who do embrace their delusion, even after that does happen, there's still a high rate of suicide. Why? Because maybe thinking that their innie is an Audi or insisting that God got it wrong is just a symptom of deeper psychological problems that there's really not enough money in for it to matter to the medical profession. Oh, I know the hypocritical oath yeah, I know it's Hippocratic, is to first do no harm, but right after it is first and point one is make sure the check clears. Make sure that payment is made. Make that money. Not all doctors, doesn't take all doctors, not all lawyers are shysters, but it only takes a few to really ruin the whole profession, doesn't it? Same thing with doctors, but they're going to make bank while they do it. Damn it, they're going to make bank while they do it. And the destruction in their wake is going to be epic. But again, I tell you, we were assured by the authorities, the Democrat Party themselves, that these things did not happen. They did not happen. Now, why would you need a, quote, drastic increase in capacity for gender surgeries for minors if gender surgeries for minors doesn't exist, if it doesn't happen? Seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Maybe they were lying all along about that. And if they were lying all along about that, what other parts of this might they be lying about? Just off the top of my head, 
My first guess would be all of it. All of it. Now we turn our uh, gaze a little bit north to Pennsylvania. To where Frankenstein resides. Frankenstein Castle up there in Pennsylvania. And you still have to shake your head. Going, Pennsylvania, this really, honestly, this is what you do? This is what you come up with? He's brain damaged, okay? But Fetterman. Fetterman checked himself in six weeks ago to Bethesda Army Medical Hospital. Now, why? Did he deny a bed to somebody? I'd love to know if he denied a bed to somebody in the military because John Fetterman has never served in the military. He could have gone to any hospital. I've had the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program, the health insurance plan for the federal employees. It is good, especially for members. You can go anywhere. You go to any hospital. You don't have to go to a military hospital to try to keep somebody in the military from getting a bed, but I suppose you do that if you want the best security around you. So you say, I want privacy. Let somebody in the service suffer so I can have privacy. I guess, I mean, there's a Democrat. That's the way they'd look at it. Anyway, John Fetterman has emerged from his cocoon. He went in a lowly caterpillar and he came out a big, giant, bald, ugly butterfly. He's out now cured of his depression or whatever, allegedly. He just still hasn't dealt with all the things that caused his depression, like his creepy wife and the fact that the people around him who were supposed to love and care for him the most pushed him to run for a Senate seat rather than get the help and therapy he so desperately needed in order to be uh, to have a chance of returning to normal brain function. In this interview with Jane Pauley, by the way, he's sitting there reading a teleprompter screen. They don't mention it. They don't show it because that would be unhelpful. They want to pretend that he is perfectly fine. He is not perfectly fine. He was depressed in part because he couldn't communicate with anybody. He's still not going to be able to communicate with anybody, but they don't give a damn. Anyway, I want you to listen to Jane Pauley introduce this segment. It's embarrassing. This is a grown woman, a professional journalist, if you will, allegedly, introducing her interview for the CBS Morning Show on the weekend on Sunday with a United States senator who's never done his job, who's incapable of doing his job. That should be the crux of the interview. She'd never get the interview if she did that, but then again, she'd never want the interview to point that out. But I'm just pointing it out for you. Listen to her intro for this slobbering kiss. Senator John Fetterman is home in Braddock, Pennsylvania, six weeks after he was hospitalized for depression at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, where we talked with him this past week. I found Senator Fetterman hopeful, optimistic, ready to return to the United States Senate and his role as a dad. Oh, I found him. Did you find him able to understand you in any way, shape, or form without having to write it down or type it out? Did you find him in that shape, Jane? Did you? No comment on that because the answer is no. It's like saying, I found him to be one sexy beast. Oh, yes. If you like Nosferatu, the movie Nosferatu, you're going to really be 
sexually attracted to John Fetterman. If you like people who can't understand a word you're saying and string together only semi-coherent sentences on occasion, then boy, howdy, have I got the guy for you. Realistically, the story should be about John Fetterman's problems and how the people around him don't seem to care too much. And maybe you might want to question the wife about, hey, why are you... Shouldn't his recovery be the top priority, not his Senate seat? Maybe he should resign or whatever. But nope. Nope, 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 nope. Now we get this. This is, again, Emmy Award-winning journalist Jane Pauley talking about this oversized moron who wears hoodies and shorts everywhere as a fashion icon and it's not just a it's not just a slam this this clip is not just a slam on Jane Pauley it's pathetic that you get a sit down interview with a sitting united states senator and this is what you choose to to focus on okay but she's also highlighting just how pathetic the media in general are because the new york times did name him a fashion icon again John Fetterman, politics aside, is an ugly guy. He's just a creepy-looking weirdo. He just is. And the fact that he nonstop wears shorts and a hoodie, the same thing, every, shorts and a hoodie, shorts and a hoodie, formal events, shorts and a hoodie, and you're just sitting there and you're going, okay, at a certain point, don't you have to grow the hell up at some point? Don't you? Don't you? A little bit, at least for certain events, and he doesn't really do that. Instead of asking these questions, you get the, well, you're just so, such a fashion icon, and that the New York Times would look at him and list him with Beyonce and Brad Pitt, people who dress like adults, um, tells you how far up the colon the kiss on Fetterman's rear end has gone. The towering mayor with a Harvard degree and a penchant for hoodies and shorts. He was becoming a rising political star and an unlikely darling of the fashion world. What did GQ call you? They said you were a fashion god or something. His wife of 15 years, Giselle. American taste god. And then the New York Times, I found out that I was one of the most fashionable or something. That's right. Along with Beyonce and Brad Pitt, Fetterman was one of the paper's most stylish people of 2022. It was an, an edgy, modern look. It's an edgy, modern look. Now, you just heard a 45-second clip there. You heard Fetterman say half a sentence. You heard the wife talk. You heard Jane Pauley narrate the whole thing. Narrate the whole thing. Oh, Fetterman does this. And Fetterman is confused. Fetterman thinks this is what... Why don't you show... You're sitting there with the guy. Why aren't you just asking? If you really want to get into this vapid crap, Jane, can't you at least let the guy talk? They don't really want the guy to talk. Because if he, the more he talks, and you have to watch it. If you see this clip, you can tell it's heavily edited. To put it mildly. An interview does not need this much exposition, right? A package designed as a bit of propaganda needs this much exposition from the host. An interview does not. If you really have an interview, the interviewer 
rarely speaks. They, they ask the question. Now, sometimes the questions can be wordy, but then they sit back and shut up and let the politician talk, either because you want to get information conveyed to the audience or you're secretly hoping that this person steps in it. Jane Pauley does most of the talking throughout this package. Why? Because John Fetterman can't. When you do see John Fetterman talk, when you see him listen, they show him listening an awful lot. He's looking weirdly off to the right. His wife is sitting on the right-hand side of him, right next to him, but he's not looking at her. He's looking off to the right, which is weird because the host is straight ahead. And the reason he's looking off to the right is because his little teleprompter is over there, the thing that is transcribing what people are saying. So he has some clue of what the hell is going on. Now, is this point made? No, it's not. There's also a lag. I don't know if you've ever used real-time transcribing software at all, but it does take a second. There are certain words that it gets hung up on for a second, it thinks, and then it pops, think is the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying, then it pops up, and then it gets going back again. If you are reading real-time transcription and expected to respond to it, there is a two to five second sort of wait there as the word finished. You can figure out where a question's going halfway through it, roughly, but sometimes it does take a turn, and you should wait until the question mark shows up until the other person stops talking so you know what the question is. Weirdly, by the way, John Fetterman, since he's been interviewed since his stroke, has never once interrupted a question being asked. Have you noticed that? Because he is waiting for the transcription to complete. There's that lag, but that lag is missing in the interview with Jane Pauley. Why? Because they cut it out. You might, they can't cut out where his eyes are darting to look and see what the hell are people reading to see what people are talking about, but you can cut out the delay, which is a little bit disconcerting if you don't know there's a teleprompter over there transcribing in real time. You just go, oh, uh, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he sitting there staring blankly at it? Then comes the last question. Now, this is pathetic, even for Jane Pauley. And I don't know what world they're looking at where they thought, well, John Fetterman is a rising star. If it weren't for the stroke, he'd be in serious contention for the presidency. There's, there's no world that John Fetterman, this bald, oversized weirdo of a guy with rabid left-wing politics and never didn't live on his own, didn't have to support himself until he's 41 years old, where that guy has broad appeal. J.D. Vance, on the other hand, came from nothing, made a huge success out of his life, and nobody's talking about, you know, they're talking about J.D. Vance maybe running for president in the future at some point. Ohio's kind of an important state. There's no talk of that. J.D. Vance is an intelligent man, can string a sentence together. Instead, you get this crap about Frankenstein. Your trajectory uh, from mayor to lieutenant governor, United States senator, was still pointing up. At 53 in politics, that's a young man. Can you have aspirations? Can you serve beyond the United States Senate? You know, my aspiration is to take my son to the restaurant that we were supposed to go during his birthday, but couldn't because I had checked myself in for depression. And being the kind of dad, the kind of husband, 
and the, the, the kind of senator that Pennsylvania deserves. Shame on his family for what they've done to him. Shame on Jane Pauley for conducting the sham of an interview. It's, it's just an embarrassing all-around interview profile. I don't even care. You get a chance to ask a United States senator questions. Ask him serious questions. Don't do 90% of the talking. And if he can't do any, he can't understand it, maybe you report that because you're supposedly a journalist. Anyway, that is it for today. We'll know more about the Trump indictment maybe tomorrow, but uh, we'll talk about it when we get all the details. I appreciate the hell out of you listening. Have a, a great one. It's going to be a beautiful day, so get outside if you can. It's supposed to be a beautiful week till Thursday, at least here. Have a great one. Thanks for listening.